Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show. We got to get ready for a big weekend in the NFL. Kyle, first things first, how about those Houston Cougars covering that spread last night? Listen, you were nervous about it, my guy. I would like to retroactively change free money Thursday to be Houston Cougars covering the spread last night. Is that possible? (laughs) Kyle. Listen. No. You you wanted to bet SMU the whole time. No, that's not. But who did I bet? Houston. All right, then. We're on the same team here. (laughs) Wait, did we have any different? I don't think we were different at all this week. No, we're rooting for all the same things to happen. Good, good place to be. We normally don't have the same rooting interests. No, and you know, I'm not afraid to pick and choose my spots to be different, but this was really a week where like we said ahead of time, it feels pretty straightforward. Uh, I have the sheet up right now. And we, in fact, are, I know we have all all the same same picks. Yes. Because you go through and mark the ones that were different with an X. And we got to the end of that podcast with no X's in an extra column. Joe, I have some exciting news. guys. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, You and I have officially started writing 2020 NFL draft scouting reports. See? And uh, I've done three. Yeah. Figured you would. You haven't had a chance to do any the last couple days? No, sir. Okay. So we have one mutual player then. We both did Bryce Hall. Give give me your elevator synopsis of Bryce Hall as a football player. 30 seconds starting right now. Yeah, I think if if you're a cover two, cover three quarters type team, you're going to love him. Uh, Have a lot of value to you. Competitive player, good ball skills, good length, physical um, type of guy that really knows how to restrict throwing windows and anticipate routes to his zone. Don't love him in man coverage. Off man coverage won't be great for him. Doesn't necessarily have that short area agility and quickness that you're looking for, but Eight uh, seconds. Zone heavy team's going to get a good starter in in Bryce Hall. Should be at least a day a day two pick. Oh, got it in right at the buzzer there. Now, uh, did you give him a film grade? Yeah. What did you give him? Mid two. Mid two. Oh, I gave him a solid two as well. Great yeah. minds think alike. Yeah, I mean he's not going to be a, if you're if you're going to run man coverage all the time. If you're the Patriots or the Eagles or something like that with uh, you're probably not, not like going to be much. your top choice. Yeah, but if you're if you're uh, zone heavy team, I mean Bills. I'm, I was just thinking of the Bills. I don't have a needed corner, but teams like that, Carolina, uh, you'd be Put well him. served to go get them. I want to see him in Seattle round two. Sure. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful fit. Oh, if if Seattle gets DK and Bryce Hall, brother, I might have to Man, get me one of those brand. green jerseys. <laughs> yeah. 
But then they have so many other stupid picks like LJ Collier and Rashad Penny. Well, that's you know, I don't know if I can get behind I, I, I cannot defend the Rashad Penny pick. I can at least defend the Collier pick. Right? They've got their own brand of football players that they like to target. Who yeah, is the but if US, I'm gonna select who is the USC defensive lineman Rashid, they took in Rasheem Green? Rasheem Green. He was yeah. terrible in college. He's actually yeah. a pretty solid football player for, for Seattle. Is he really? As a rotational guy on their defensive line, yeah. They got their own criteria. So I well, you gotta give us a 30 second. Give us a 30 second on a guy that you did then. Uh I guess Jacob Breland. What'd you huh? do besides Breland and, and Hall? Who was the other one? Uh I actually did DJ Wanham from South Carolina. Okay. He's not done playing games yet, but uh he's a all right, let me. I'm gonna wait till four minutes and thirty seconds on the recorder. All right, so Wanham's a four-year player, true senior at South Carolina. A lot of his sacks and, and penetration production seem to come from slants and stunts and tackle end twists, and uh, really have some concerns with his ability to turn the apex and and be able to take guys with speed off the edge. But he's a high motor guy, uh, probably a, a developmental pass rusher in a three-four front. But this is. Uh, for me, a late day three player, despite some of the big production that he has. But I think there may be some hidden explosiveness there because he every once in a while will really drive up the field and take an offensive tackle with speed. But too many of his pass rushes are just way up the field, overshoots his landmarks, and he doesn't have the counters to really get away with uh, not reducing his angles with his rushes. Very good. Wow, we're talking about draft stuff on the Draft Dudes podcast. Weird. Yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> but not anymore. I have to do more of that. <laughs> now we're talking about... Let's talk about this game last night. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it yeah. started last night with this uh, Redskins-Vikings game. Man, a lot of talking points coming away from it. But I think the biggest thing that I learned last night is Josh Norman is cooked. Done. And I... Yeah, well, here's the thing, dude. I didn't realize how bad he's been. So his passer rating against his coverage this year so far, 140.7 and uh, five penalties. Last year, it was 114.2 with seven penalties. Year before that, 114.1 with four penalties. Carolina released his ass after 2015, and that was like a big deal. Washington got one decent year out of Josh Norman, signing him to a five-year, $75 million deal, and then he's been bad. And I don't think we talk about it enough. Well, I guess to at least be a little fair to Josh from yesterday, I believe he was only supposed to be playing in an emergency situation and Xavier Rhodes got his bell rung. So that's what put Norman into the game last night. But yes, by and large, Norman, uh, what, the last two and a half years now in D.C. has has not been good and continuing to really just struggle in every aspect of playing corner and uh, well, he's four. He's he ran four six six. He's he's never been athletic. He's almost thirty two years old. It's it's over. <laughs> he's gonna have to play safety or what, what's his contract situation look like? Do you know? So he's under contract through next year, and he's a fifteen point five million dollar cap hit. They can cut him and save twelve and a half with three million dead cap. Okay, so he's getting cut this offseason. No question. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Now, I'm in before he gets cut, and we see all the articles for teams suggesting, 
so-and-so should go out and sign Josh Norman to play corner. Mm-mm. No. 32 years old, slow, can't play for the last three years? Can we talk about Dalvin Cook, please? Stud. Man. Just the 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 step frequency, I think, is really the biggest thing that stands out for him. It was uh, such a huge asset of Shady McCoy at the, at the peak of his career. Uh, it's a big asset of a guy that just came through, Joe, who ended up on your team uh, this past draft, Devin Singletary. And guys that might not have the most dynamic athletic testing, but when you consider how quick their feet are from a step frequency standpoint, how that allows them to start, stop, and open space, make sudden cuts, constant jitterbug, change of directions so that you're breaking pursuit angles. Dalvin Cook didn't run 4-3, and I frankly could not care less because he is so effective setting you up both in the backfield and in the open space for you to either take a false step or declare yourself so he can go where you're not. Uh, one of the things I did midway through the third quarter of this game, Joe, and Dalvin was just tearing him apart. So I, I went back and looked at the report that I had written for Dalvin from 2017 before the draft. And I think the biggest thing that I wrote that stood out to me was talking about how through the mesh point and in the backfield, He's so successful in making sight adjustments to find creases. And that's really been prominent with Minnesota kind of adopting this outside zone mentality with drafting Bradbury and putting Elf flying at guard. Like you saw in stretches of this game where those guys really can't bump bellies with interior defensive linemen, mano y mano, but they'll out athlete you if you're going to run to the sideline and. Dalvin had a couple plays where it was straight back door. He went straight to the back door because he knew over pursuit was there or patiently pressing up to the line. Just a really impressive uh, cerebral performance as well as physical performance for Dalvin Cook last night. Some numbers on Dalvin Cook so far this year, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. 3.35 yards on average after contact, and he's had forced 33 missed tackles. 33? 33 Kyle is that is that, that is tops a ton uh I it probably is if you give me a second I can answer that question wow not being prepared for the show well I didn't I didn't know that you were gonna take that to that level but um I am almost there Kyle My computer <laughs> will load. Computer will load this here we go uh, the momentum is suspense is killing me is it is it Kyle it- Still, still working on. I, I I feel compelled to talk, but I really just don't have anything to say until we figure this out. I don't know why I can't sort it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Sorting it. Yeah. Oh no, it's tied for first. I'll give you a dollar if you could tell me who he's tied with. And in all fairness, this person only played seven games. This and Dalvin has eight. McCaffrey. No, McCaffrey is twenty seventy sixth. Oh man, thirty three and played seven games. Yep. Dalvin Cook has 33 in eight games. You don't think I'm going to get it? I don't think you will. Is it Adrian Peterson? No, Adrian Peterson is not high on this list at all. Sick. Awesome. Uh, What conference? 
National Football Conference. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to let me whittle it down here a little bit. Is it one of the 49ers backs? No. Is it Chase Edmonds? You got to think a guy that's carried the ball a lot. Uh, no. Is it Chase? Chase Edmonds. Yes. Uh, I can tell you it's not Zeke. It's not Zeke. Zeke is 14th. Is it an NFC North back? Uh, nope. All right, I don't know. Just tell me. Chris Carson. <laughs> really? So the top, Chris Carson, 33, Dalvin Cook, 33, Josh Jacobs, 31, Derrick nice. Henry, 30, Alvin Kamara, 29. That's your top five. Where's uh, elite running back Ezekiel Elliott on this list? 14th, Kyle. Oh, doesn't sound very elite. Where's elite running back Melvin Gordon on this list? Chill. <laughs> Do you have any other takeaways from Vikings Redskins? Josh Norman's bad. Dalvin Cook's good. Terry McLaurin runs good routes. Kirk Cousins is playing good ball. Stephon Diggs is in another planet right now. I think he just set like the record for most receiving yards in a three-game stretch for the Vikings and beat like yeah, Randy uh, Moss. Randy Moss's numbers. So Daniel Hunter's a good player. Uh, I think that's my big takeaways. I really like hey. these Redskins defensive linemen, though. Like Ionitis Payne and Allen, yeah. good player. Yeah, that's a great foundation. And then you you think about having Kerrigan outside and what Montez Sweat can be. They've got a really nice foundation for their front seven with how they how physical they are up front. Yeah. Real quick, Joe. Do you know what we predicted the Vikings to be through eight games before the season? Um, well, they're six and two. I would guess we had them yeah. at four and four. Okay. You're too low. Six and two? We had them at six and two. Good. Now, we also had them finishing nine and seven. I don't think that's going to happen because we had them losing it in – L.A. to the Chargers, Week 15. Uh, if Mahomes doesn't play for the Chiefs game, they could very easily smother Matt Moore. We picked the Bears on the road because we picked the Vikings to beat the Bears the first time they played. So this probably a 10-plus win team here, Miss. So they're, they're playing really good ball if Kirk Cousins keeps playing the way he's playing now. I think the what the I think the it can go either way. Games are probably what Dallas, Seattle. Green Bay. Yeah, this is probably a double-digit win team right here. 10, 11, yeah. 12 wins. Yeah, they're looking to string together. This this second half of the schedule does not look as imposing as it did before the year. Yeah. They get extra time for Kansas City, too. Yep, they get uh, extra four days, three days. Yep. Just like the All Redskins right. get extra time for the Bills. Give me Haskins, you think that's going to help? No. Haskins looks bad. I understand just, Haskins is, you know, let, let's take everything for a grain of salt right now. We're, we're not writing Haskins off, but he looked bad last night. Yeah, I mean, just the stuff with just getting plays called and not getting his team lined up and calling for motions and nobody was supposed to motion and <laughs> just not comfortable. <laughs> just got, he needs time. He needs time. Do you know what we had the Redskins through the first eight games of the year? Um. Two and six. We actually had him an 0 and 8. Oh, not far off. Yeah, well, only one game off. <laughs> <laughs> we ha- Do we have the Dolphins beating him then? Yeah, we had the Dolphins beating him. Oh. 
close. We had that. We had Washington starting zero and nine going into their bye week, zero and nine. So pretty close. Yeah, not bad for the preseason predictions. Now we got a whole other bunch of games to look at here, Joe. What catches your eye? What wets your whistle? You know they all do. Um, I think a big one here is going to be Raiders Texans. Um. Kind of feel like both teams need this game. Uh, Texans falling behind a little bit with that loss to the Colts. The Raiders dropped that game to the Packers last week. If they're going to be a legitimate contender for the sixth seed, which I think is very, very, very wide open, it's a team that both of these both of these guys are going to need, especially because it could come down to tiebreakers if the Colts wind up winning the AFC South. So I think that's going to be a very critical game. I get nervous about the Raiders on defense being able to slow down Houston. Uh, no pass rush. They trade away Gary and Connolly. They don't have any good linebackers. And I feel like the Texans at home need to win this game. But this is a Texas team that has not been a dominant home team. And I think that needs to change on Sunday to be a big, big shift, I think, based on the results of that game in terms of the landscape of the AFC playoffs. Yeah, that's a great point as far as. Uh, the matchups for Houston's offense are pretty favorable, but you've got to go out and execute. Yeah. You know, realistically, there is nothing Oakland can present from a pass rush perspective that should challenge Deshaun Watson and the, the Texans offensive line. No, no. The name or the game that jumps out to me, Joe, involves the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And the San Francisco 49ers. This to me is a really interesting game. Carolina is five and zero with Kyle Allen at quarterback, dating back to last year. Four and zero this year. Yeah, yep. And uh, the the 49ers nine are... with everyone else. <laughs> Imagine that's such a weird stat. Yeah, uh, the the 49ers have come out like gangbusters to start the year. The haters will say they haven't played anybody, but. Uh, I'm officially buying in on San Francisco and have for a few weeks after being very hesitant on them to start the year uh, because stylistically their defensive line is so dominant, uh, the run game that they present. So I think San Francisco presents some unique challenges to the Panthers and they're on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I'm interested to see how well Carolina can counter them. You know, San Francisco's at home. I expect San Francisco to win the game. But if Carolina can counter because they have some speed in the front seven and they've got one of the best linebackers in football in Luke Keekley, if they can counter some of the outside zone and make Jimmy G be the one to try and beat them, that would be an ideal scenario for us as analysts of the game and fans of the game because Jimmy G really has not been tested yet this year. And if the Carolina Panthers can get San Francisco into that situation, then let's see what that pass rush can do against uh, the 49ers offensive line. And Carolina coming out of the bye uh, gives them some extra time to prepare for a, a game, you know, cross country. And one other mm-hmm. thing about this, this North Turner offense that they run in Carolina is part of the reason Kyle Allen's been able to be successful is because it is a quarterback friendly system that, is a lot of scheme to manufacture throws, a lot of misdirection. And so, you know, some of that is really designed to take away a really good front seven and a really good pass rush. But, 
you know, if they can get Kyle Allen off those first reads and, and have him thinking they're going to clean clock, man, it's going to be rough. Uh, but, uh, you know, Carolina certainly has a chance coming out of the bye, Kyle. Can we talk about the Browns real quick. Browns yeah, Patriots. Let's, let's Jarvis talk Landry about it. says they're Jarvis Landry says they're going to win. Uh, what was this clown? Co- no, he didn't. He didn't say that. What? What did? You, what did? He said they're. I read that he said they're going to Foxborough with the intent to win. Well, I guess that's every team. He didn't guarantee a win. Every team, yeah. Steve Wilson. And of course, everybody took it out of context. It was oh my god, Jarvis Landry guaranteed a win in Foxborough. It's the first time you've defended Jarvis Landry in your life. Um, Steve Wilkes said that if Jannard Avery could be active, he would make a major impact in the game. Well, doesn't he have a say in that? Freddie Kitchens released a quote today on the offensive line. He said, <laughs> I promise we'll have two tackles, two guards, and a center. What is this football team, man? They're going to go face the New England Patriots in Foxborough? Yeah, that's 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 really what it comes down for, to for me is just – and they're <laughs> – the leadership of this team really is at the point now where they say something every week that I, I have to do a double take on. Steve Wilkes saying Jannard Avery would make a huge impact for the for our defense if he was active, while making him a healthy scratch makes absolutely zero sense at all. And you know he tried to try to kind of frame this as a numbers game and. That's fine, but you know, Steve, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but whatever you're trying to do right now really isn't working all that well. So, might want to try something different, including getting the guy on the field who you said could make a huge impact for you if he got on the field. Meanwhile, Olivier Vernon, the guy that they traded Kevin Zaitler for, uh, has one sack and five quarterback. Is that it? Fresh. Really? Oh, yeah. that's terrible. Playing opposite Miles Garrett. Yeah, and there's, they got Rankins and Aganjovia in the middle. He's getting 1v1s, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eesh. So, really not getting the job done there. Uh, but for me, that was one of the things I wrote this week for the Draft Network was Cleveland's window to get this thing turned around is closing very quickly. And there's things Baker Mayfield needs to do for the offense. There's things Freddie Kitchens needs to do to get this team, who is the most penalized team in football, to stop killing themselves. And John Dorsey's got to go out and kind of help cover his ass a little bit because he traded Kevin Zeitler and he probably shouldn't have in hindsight because the offensive line all around is a hot mess for Cleveland. Well, they're getting to two and five this week, but I don't know that there's a, a game that I look at the rest of the way and say they can't win it. I mean, they got the Cardinals too against the Bengals, Dolphins, Steelers, Bills. Uh, actually, two against the Steelers, right? Yeah, two against the Steelers. Yeah, two against the Steelers, and I think they play the Bengals. Two twice. against the Steelers, two against the Bengals, Cardinals, Dolphins, Bills, Ravens, Broncos. I mean, they're they're going to be two and five, but you can only have one more slip up after that. You need to go. Set, right. Was that eight and one or something? You you're hoping to go ten and six. Yeah. Well, they can. Well, I mean, which would mean they go eight and one down the stretch. I don't know. I don't. I don't think the offensive line gets fixed fixed this season. I don't think the secondary gets fixed this season. I don't think their coaching gets. Well, fixed. they're talking about how John John Dorsey's been been ringing Dan Snyder and Bruce uh, Allen's phone off the hook in Washington, trying to get Trent Williams. Well, that would be a game changer for them. It'd be a total game changer. But it meant 
John Dorsey walked into Cleveland and had so, like was sitting on a, a lion's share of picks and cap space, mm-hmm. right? How would it make you feel if, if it took two first round picks to pry Trent Williams from Washington? I wouldn't do that. Because anything less doesn't sound like they're Washington's going to be willing to deal. Trent Williams is what thirty one, thirty one years old. Has had injury problems. Washington would rather let him rot and not play than trade him for what anything less than what they perceive to be value as. Because Dorsey's been calling him for weeks, can't get a deal done. So, like that's where I get scared about the proposition of yes, it would absolutely be a game changer. For Cleveland. But now you're you're really putting yourself in a position where you have to win. And I get that's the objective, right? Is is you have to win. You you're in a position with a quarterback on a rookie contract that you believe in. You win all in with Odell Beckham. You win all in trading Zeitler for Olivier Vernon and, and some of the free agent signings that they've they've went through this offseason, but I feel like that is a really aggressive move that could really blow up in their face. Some of the injuries don't help, but everyone's injured right now. And I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't look good for them. I, and I wonder what the reaction, like what are the implications? Let's say Cleveland finishes six and 10. What, what, what do we do? Do we say, you know what? This didn't work out this year. You fire Freddie, fire Freddie. You have to. Should have never hired him. Well, it's it's funny. They hired him in the name of continuity. And they're doing very little <laughs> like what they did last year. What else, Kyle? What else? Joe, very low key. Looking forward to Dolphins, Steelers on Monday Night Football. It's a good offensive and defensive line for Pittsburgh. And they get Mason back this week, right? Mason Rudolph? They do, yes. Uh, Mason Rudolph's been sacked three times, which equates to 3% (laughs) of his dropbacks this year. Uh, Pittsburgh in total has given up five sacks on the year. Uh, Everything that they do, the the reason why – Nobody sacking Mason Rudolph is everything that they do is such quick balls out of his hands extremely quickly. And I don't, I don't mind it. I like it. Um, But with that in mind, you look at the production that Pittsburgh skill players has this year. And not a lot of guys are creating a lot of explosive plays, chunk plays, uh, James Washington averaging 15.6 yards per catch, but it's only on uh, nine receptions and 21 targets. Juju Smith-Schuster's caught 25 balls for 340 yards, but that includes at least one of 76 yards. So a lot, so much of what they're doing is is within 10, 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, Joe. Um, I don't think the fact that the Dolphins don't have a pass rush won't hurt them in this game mm. because of how Pittsburgh's calling their offense, you know? So it just becomes a question of how does your uh, interior run defense stack up against James Conner, who's averaging 3.2 yards per rush this year. Uh, 
and then can you get anything going offensively if you're the Dolphins? But the Steelers, you know how many turnovers the Steelers have generated the last five games? 15. Really? So three a game. 15 turnovers for the defense in the in the past Very five good. games. They got two against Seattle, five against San Francisco. They got five against San Francisco and lost <laughs> the football game. That was uh, Mason's first start, right? Mm-hmm. Then they got two against Cincinnati, uh, three against Baltimore, game they lost in overtime, and three against the Chargers. Last it's it's got to be interesting, though, in terms of rooting for this game with the you know the, the goal of high draft picks. If the Dolphins win the game, it pushes that Steelers pick further down. But if they win, it pushes their original pick down. Like, how do you attack that mentally? If you were ever going to win a game, this would be a game you'd want to sign right. off on to win. Because you're helping your other complimentary picks. Like, let's look forward at the rest of the Dolphins schedule and try and find wins. Go ahead. Okay. You'll find, well, they play Cincinnati week 16. They play... Uh, the Jets twice, and they play the Giants. Assuming they win half the games that you could say they give have a chance to win, and if they steal this one, now you're talking three and thirteen. Which you, it's not going to kill you to be three. I and think 13. that Miami just needs to get a top two pick. Yeah. So, and even if they even if they pick three and Washington's that bad, I'm sorry, Washington is not going to trade or not going to draft a quarterback. No, but they could trade. They'll trade back. That's fine. Miami can trade up one spot. It's not going to kill them. They have two second round picks. So let's like what would it, what would that deal be to go from three to two? You know, what if I mean? you had to do it. Well, what what was the deal San Francisco did with Chicago in 2017 for Mitch? Yeah, that wasn't a big deal. Right. You just hate to have to give up anything, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, in an ideal world, you're able to identify your guy and get him without having to give up anything extra. And I appreciate that sentiment, but that if there was ever a team that was going to be able to afford, I'll give you two this year and a two next year to, to tr- trade spots with you from two to three. You hate to the do Dolphins it. could snap their fingers and replicate those twos by trading back the multiple first-round picks that they have. Yeah. It's not a deal breaker. Uh, but but Pittsburgh, the rest of the way, Pittsburgh plays Miami. Then they play the Colts, the Rams, the Browns, the Bengals, the Browns, the Cardinals, the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens. Some losses there. There's some losses there, but there's probably going to be some wins sure. here. They'll probably take one against Cleveland. They'll probably take the other game against Cincinnati. They'll probably beat the Jets. There's at least three. Man. So now that could be four. And then, it, and they got to play Miami. Yeah. So now you're talking, this team might make a run to seven and nine. Interestingly enough with a backup quarterback, because they're playing such good defense, right? Yeah, now. they should. They've got a lot of first round picks on that defense, man. Yeah. They've really put the screws down in the rushing D as of late, too. They got torched by San Francisco for 168, and then they gave up 73 to Cincinnati, 138 to Baltimore, uh, but 227 total yards to Baltimore in the loss, and then 32 rushing yards last week to the Chargers. Anything else stand out to you this week? Go Bills. Uh, 
yeah, tell me a little bit about that real quick before we sign off. It's an important game, right? I think the Bills are searching for a resume-type win. And I was just talking to Michael Kiss on his podcast, and I don't know if a win over a three- and four-football team at home when you're favored in is a, is a resume win, but I think it would at least get people to perk up a little bit and, and maybe some of the people that say the Bills are a paper tiger at five and one um, may respect them a little bit more. It's an Eagles team that needs to have it, right? They've lost two in a row. They've given up 75 points the last two games and scored like a total of 17, getting some really mixed messages from their locker room, from their leaders, from Doug Peterson, the Orlando Scandrick comments today. It's a team that's up against the ropes. And the last time they were up the ropes, up against the ropes, Kyle, they were one and two, went to Lambeau on a Thursday night and beat the Packers. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond. Um, with a lot of guys that are going to be hurt, you know, very important players for them that aren't going to be able to play on Sunday. And can the Bills get a resume win at home and really prove some legitimacy behind, you know, their five and one start to the season? So I think it's an important game. It's uh should be a good matchup game in terms of some of the challenges that that the Eagles present with some of their physicality, their size at tight end and uh, at receiver with Jeffrey, and of course a good running back in Jordan Howard, a good offensive line against a good Bills defense but also Josh Allen, who's not been very successful pushing the ball down the field against an Eagles secondary that gives you anything you want vertically. So do you start to see, you know, how do, how do those matchups pan out and who wins the football game? I think it's going to be a good contest. Yeah, I think that's the thing that scares me about most about this game from Buffalo's perspective is at 5-1 and one against a team who's had some postseason success and absolutely needs the win. Yeah. That's a scary dynamic if I'm a Bills fan. It is. It is. It'd be more scary. I mean, if they don't have <laughs> their guys, I mean, they might be without Jernigan, Bradham, uh, Avante Maddox, Ron Darby, Jason Peters, Deshaun Jackson, Darren Sproles. I mean, it that that's gonna be that's gonna be a big shift. And I don't know, Sean McDermott yeah. to me is always kind of an X factor. I I believe in him so much as a coach. You don't feel like the team will ever get out schemed or out prepared or out coached. Kind of gives you a chance. You're at home. It's going to, uh, going to come down to um, can the Bills make enough plays on offense? It's kind of what I always think needs to be the case. And, and they always seem to find ways to do it. Can they play a full game? We still haven't seen it. Maybe Sunday it'll happen. Well, what else is going to happen is we're going to come back on Monday and talk about everything that happens this weekend. So come back and visit us again. Take a listen. Hope you guys enjoyed this weekend of college football. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. If you have hot takes this weekend, send them to at the Joe Marino and at Grinding the Tape for next Tuesday's edition of Takes on Takes. And we hope to uh, see you all again on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.